Welcome to Training Room Talk, where we discuss all things performance, rehab, and education. everyone doing and dr nick Perugini. hey guys um today we're going to talk about so we're trying to think of questions that people or, or things that we're talking about in the clinic um pretty regularly that we can then bring to you guys because i you know obviously if we're being asked those questions in the clinic you guys are going to have those same questions right um so if we can answer them for you and then you guys can even um bring further discussion online with us we can definitely take that further but Today we want to talk about core training. Um, so I'll let Rob talk about what core training traditionally looks like in a strength and conditioning setting, but at least for us in physical therapy, um, our peer, what we've seen with our peers is it's TA activation where you draw on your abs and march your legs, um, followed by maybe some crunches, some planks, and bird dogs. That's your typical core program, the way that me, Ray, and Nick understand it in traditional physical therapy clinics. John, don't forget about leg lowers for the lower abdominals. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, but we tend, as physical therapists, and I know Rob kind of feeds into this too, we look at the core differently. So um, we're looking at the core as far as finding position. Um, if, you, uh, if I backtrack, there's different levels of core. You have your transverse abdominus, which is your your corset that kind of ran, runs across your stomach, attaches on your low back, and kind of corsets everything together. Um, you have your internal and external obliques that kind of sit on top of that, and also carry a little bit of an oblique angle. Um, they control your bottom ribs and attach them to your pelvis, and also have attachments in your low back. And then you have your rectus abdominis, your six-pack abs, which everybody thinks about as core training, which are connecting your sternum to your um, pubic symphysis down your pelvis and they're um, looking at those the, those groups of muscles though most of them are tonic stabilizers of position and your rectus is really this um, basic prime mover that's not doing a ton of stabilizing but it's doing a lot to flex your your spine forward and control um, extension of your of your torso um, so when we're looking at as therapists in our clinic we look at building position, so the internal external obliques, your transverse abdominis um, are in a good position to stabilize and then build pressure from the inside out because to us pressure is stability versus relying on um, active muscles to kind of stabilize for you. Rob, do you have any thoughts from a strength and conditioning perspective? Yeah, I think the word core is thrown around a lot in strength and conditioning. Um, there, I don't know if there's a true understanding or definition of what exactly it is. Um, so that's where I'm at right now, is if, if there's no real true definition of what it is, what groups of muscles or what one singular muscle it is, what area of the body are we talking about? You know, if you ask four different strength coaches, you'll get four different answers. Um, so I think that's a, a first initial problem with, with training, you know, the core, or the trunk, I'm gonna probably use those words interchangeably today. Um, so I, I think, that's, that's my first problem with it, is like, if we don't even know what it is, how can we possibly train it? 
or improve it or improve its function or you know strengthen it so I think first it's identifying you know John spoke a little bit about you know what what is and what I agree with as our thoughts on what the core is and how it's trained you know, you're not going to find it in an anatomy textbook this isn't a muscle um, so I think first identifying what it is so we can properly train it is first and foremost but um, secondly it's then kind of educating our, our athletes and clients on how we think the core functions and what it is and how we train it um, because I get it all the time and in, in initially they'll hey Rob I need to strengthen my core well that word to me is just insane when you say strengthen I'm thinking one repetition two repetition maximal loading um, and when I hear the word core I have my definition of what the core is but again that's just that's just my anecdotal experiences and knowledge on what the core and the trunk is and how it functions so you know I have to interpret that from a client or an athlete and explain to them hey this is what this core does this is how it functions this is how it helps you with your sports um, so again if, if there is no true definition it also comes back to testing what kind of testing can we do to test someone's core or trunk um, position stability um, mobility whatever it might be um, so I think that's where I'm at right now is how can we test the core there are a couple tests out there I know the FMS has a trunk stability push-up rotary stability tests which are you know widely used which is and I utilize them um, I think Stu McGill has some sort of like plank testing procedures you guys familiar with that um, so like, I think there are some tests out there um, that go into testing someone's you know core strength and stability um, you know so I think that's first and foremost is identifying you know, do they even need a quote-unquote core training program? Um, you know, we get texts a lot, hey, I want to just strengthen my core, not, not my legs or my upper body. Well, that's probably not a good thing. <laughs> so, you know, I think um, you know, those are some of my initial thoughts. But as far as, you know, what that actually breaks down to and what exercises are we doing, um, I, there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, it depends on, on your initial goals. I think that's another thing that I'm also looking at is, hey, if you, do you want six-pack abs? You know, or do you want a functioning core trunk area? I think that's another thing you have to ask yourself. Like, what are your goals? You know, why are you here training? And then that'll dictate what exercises you're programming, you know? Um, so if we're talking about, you know, stability-based exercises, which is predominantly what I'm utilizing to train the core, um, teaching athletes to, to brace um, and control their spine um, before we get into any dynamic movements of the, of the trunk, of the core. We have to learn to brace and stabilize first. And how we utilize those are more, su more supine strategies first, dead bugs, progressing to more you know, prone variations, planks, plank variations, uh, and progressing to more maybe tall kneeling or half kneeling variations pallet variations, chops, lifts. You know, these are all great stabilized, trunk stabilizing exercises um, that I utilize in a lot of athletes' programs. Um, but what if they can already do those things? You know, what, do you, what are we doing next to improve their core? Are we, are we, do we load it up? Do we continue to load? You know, and as a strength coach, everyone is focusing on strengthening, strengthening that area. And to me, that's not the right approach. You know, most area, most abdominals and, and trunk stabilizers, if you can do that pretty well, then, then that's great. Then you have to focus on other things, which is actually maybe controlling your trunk when you're in a rotational side or 
you're learning to rotate and still stabilize. Uh, if you do play a rotational sport, that would be something I would progress to. Um, and that's and that and that ends up being a lot of elite athletes. You know, a lot of the, a lot of elite athletes can do traditional core stability exercises. They've been doing them for years. So you have to learn to continually to challenge those athletes and and uh, get them better. So I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on all that, but kind of went on a little rant. But that's oh. good. You made some good points. Um, stability is position and task specific, right? So you could take one of these elite athletes that and put them in a what might even seem like a low level position, right, Rob? And they you could crush them just because you're putting them in a position that they they're not stable in because they've never trained there before. Right. Um, so um, and and I think it's you're not really looking. You made some other good points regarding strength. Like you're not looking for um, core strength. You're looking for position stability in your training, pretty much. And and that might be specific to the task that you're trying to improve. Um, through the through the workout or performance process, right? Um, so so I think if you're looking at it more instead of like stability training versus core strength or core training, I think that's probably maybe a more apt term because you're right, Rob. Like, what is what is the core? Is it adductors all the way up through like glottis and deep neck stabilizers, or is it just the things that in, um, comp uh, encompass your your abs and your low back muscles. Um, nobody, everybody has a different definition of core. So if any, if we can't agree on the definition, why don't we just call it stability training and get people stable and strong in certain positions depending on what their goals are. Yeah, stability as in you know your ability to achieve a certain position and then resist a perturbation or, or resist an external force. Exactly. Yeah, like. People that's this is such a pet peeve, and I'm gonna go on a rant, Rob. But the the people that come into our clinic that squat 300 pounds, but they're told by somebody that they have a weak core. Yeah. Like, no, they're just not stable in the position to be able to tolerate that load in that position. Right, and that's what and that's what we see often is, you know, we can have the very very strong individuals, and you know, there's there's no reason why someone should be telling them that they are a, you know a weak person. And kind of, I think, you know, to summarize kind of what you're saying and what Rob's saying is, you know, it's not, at the end of the day, it's usually not about strength. It's about, you know, this subtle, specific control of our upper body being linked to our lower body through, you know, traditional core musculature. And it's our ability to either, you know, position ourselves over um, and to maintain a certain amount of you know stiffness or position while we move through a full body you know compound exercise. So I think traditionally, when when uh, I think the general public hears core, you know we're thinking about sit ups, we're thinking about crunches, we're thinking about movement. But realistically, from a from a athletic base or performance base and even rehab based, what we're doing is we're we're just teaching people how to organize the their proximal segments, the rib cage and their pelvis, while moving through a range of motion. Yeah, I agree with, with everything you guys have said so far. Um, I mean, trunk, core, they're, they're pretty much synonymous to me. Um, you know, and I think it comes down to uh, specificity with the core, too. I think training it in the positions you're going to be in um, or performing in uh, is kind of the way to go from a strength and conditioning uh, standpoint, in my opinion. Uh, I agree with John, too. I think a huge pet peeve of mine. Um, someone comes in power lifter and they're told they have a weak core <laughs> uh, a lot of times like you get these people in the right position uh, maybe go over you know how to brace and engage 
uh, and then transfer that to some dynamic, like more specific activity, and you're on your way. So what are your guys' thoughts? Is the core more to control movement or to produce movement? Both. Like, are you guys working core's ability to, um, like, stop someone from moving before you move them into, like, core, fo- like, core movement? Like, you guys get what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Well, are you trying to stop movement with the core before you progress them yeah. into moving right. their body with the core, or are you right. doing it all blending together? How are you working this into your program? Rob, I think this is time for your uh, progression here. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think this is where, um, let me talk to Aaron, I've shared this before, but... I think learning to um, first stabilize your, your core and your chunk is important. Um, you have to learn to brace. You have to learn to control yourself. You have to learn to decelerate. You have to learn to, you know, just control yourself in space. Learn yeah. to prevent movement first. Rob, well, and and you say and sometimes we throw out these words like stabilize. And so, like in in your perspective, like how are you defining stability? Controlling, controlling yourself. Got it. Versus external Position. loads. So that can be any any external load. Gravity. Cables, dumbbells, you know, if you can't control your spine, uh, your trunk, your pelvis, your rib cage, you know, these are all um, your femurs, you know, all of, the, all of this is involved in, in stabilizing yourself. And if you can't just control yourself through a static position right. first, you know, learning, learning to breathe, then learning to stabilize, and then to John's point, learning then to actually move through your trunk and through your pelvis and through your rib cage would be the final last progression to me because once you've shown you can brace and stabilize through various positions and and, and you know with your arms overhead with your feet out wide within a half kneel and a tall kneel you know, all these great positions that we do traditional core exercises in um you know supine you have to learn to actually move through your trunk and through your core and through your rib cage to be able to produce high amounts of force to do whatever activity or sport you're doing whether it's just simply running Throwing a baseball, throwing a med ball, you know, shooting a basketball. You have to be able to move through that and, and portray range of motion. So I think that kind of quickly sums up just like stabilize first, control yourself, and then learn to, to move and rotate. So you're setting a foundation to control movement right. before you're moving off of that foundation. Correct, correct. And it turns out once we set that foundation, we may even have – you know, increased range of motion once that foundation is set. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I get this, this is probably the biggest question I get is, is you know, hey, how come we don't do a lot of sit-ups or traditional crunches or sit, you know, um, Russian twists and all of these, these would be kind of traditional core exercises. And, and it's not that these are bad exercises. Um, at, you know, I just don't feel that they do a necessary job from an athletic standpoint. Again, I'm seeing a lot of athletes, so I'm not seeing people that that are here to get six packs. Um, quick side note: um, six packs are made in the kitchen, not me. So, but keep it, keep it. Uh, stay tuned for the movement snack. Yeah. <laughs> um, not that, not that crunches and, and six inches and you know all these traditional kind of lumbar flexion, thoracic flexion based rotational movements through the trunk are, are bad. Again, you have to um, understand the person's goals and why they're in the gym. And, you know, understand, again, we've talked a lot today about the function of the trunk, of the pelvis, of the ribcage, of the, of the core. Um, what does it actually do for human movement? So, um, and if those exercises don't fit your, your goals of what the function is, 
um, then, then you're not going to do them. Uh, I know there might be some research on or some good articles on, you know, I know um, Brad Schoenfield wrote a real good article um, back in the day on to crunch first, not to crunch, I think it was called um, real good article kind of delves into some of the research of, you know, crunches and sit ups and um, lumbar flexion based exercises. And I hear stories all the time that you know, I do sit ups my whole life. And I've never had a back problem. You know, I'm not sure what you guys thoughts are on you know, sit-ups from a, an injury standpoint, but, you know, from a training standpoint, from an athlete development standpoint, um, if an athlete wants to do them and they don't have any previous injuries in doing them, hey, doing a few sets here and there isn't going to yeah. kill their back. Um, having said that, I don't, I don't utilize those types of exercises for my athletic population. Hey, if I had a guy come to me and was like, Rob, I'm going to be on the beach in about 10 weeks. I want six-pack abs. Guess what I'm going to do? Give him some abs. I'm going to give him some abs. Um, yes, this is the article. Thanks, John. It's with uh, Brett Contreras, Brad Schoenfield. Uh, to crunch or not to crunch an evidence-based examination of spinal flexion exercises. Um, there are potential risks in their application of program design. Real good read. Um, definitely recommend you guys check it out. Uh, it kind of just delves into both sides of flexion-based exercises versus non-flexion-based exercises. Yeah. Um, it's in the Strength Strength Conditioning Journal. Uh, again, these are these are two guys that actually train people and have an understanding, have also have a good understanding of science and research. Yeah. So, um, I remember that article off the top of my head. It's a, it's a good one. Yeah, I think, and even I know some of the latest research on uh, like measuring lumbar flexion in the deadlift and the kettlebell swing. You know, we're show, you know traditionally coaches are you know taught to you know prevent lumbar flexion in in a lot of these exercises. And I guess what some of this this latest research is, is showing with so in like a biomechanics lab is that, you know, as soon as you start a hinge, you are inherently going into some lumbar flexion. So it's not necessarily like the, the initial lumbar flexion that we need to be worried about, but we just need to understand that, you know, we can train ourselves progressively into lumbar flexion, but it should be something that we're keeping an eye on, especially when we're, uh, you know, coaching for performance, coaching for athleticism and, and teaching someone, again, not necessarily to strengthen the core, but to help stabilize and teach position. And that may be more of a of coaching motor control and motor learning. I think you're onto something, Nick, and that's a, a bigger discussion, but um, it's really, there are no bad movements. There are no movements that are inherently um, gonna lead to injury in any program. It's just, can you stabilize and be strong in certain positions? Right, and, that, and that's why I really like this conversation today is because you know, when it when it comes down to training, you have to stand for something, and there's got to be a framework, and there's got to be some set of standards that you know you're having your athletes meet and reach, um, and uh, so hopefully, you know, I, I I really enjoy Rob's you know framework there of being able to breathe and stabilize, and then being able to rotate, uh, separate, and and all the above, because if not, you know, it's Again, each person is an N equals one, but that doesn't mean we, we shouldn't be following some kind of framework when we're, we're teaching people about how to train the core. Yeah. Um, and I think some of the exercises that do get a bad rap, you have to understand what people's training goals are. There's certain programs, um, weight loss type programs that you go in, you're in and out in 30 minutes and the goal is to just crush you and burn as many calories as you can. And there's exercises that they may use at high intensity with low load that um, 
might not be used in a strength and conditioning setting that's necess- not so focused on calorie burn, but more focused on athletic development. So um, like, there's no bad exercise, but it's what's, what are the goals of the program and how can we best prevent injury in whatever program it is. Excellent, guys. So those are some of our quick thoughts on core and core training. Um, Leave any questions that you may have um, in some of the comments sections, and we can delve further into them um, if you you like. Um, As always, please share with friends and family. We want to keep getting the good word out. Um, So until next time, guys, thanks for listening to Training.